Okay. Good morning, everyone. My name's Pastor Richard, and I'm the one who's uh, got the privilege of bringing God's Word to you. But before I do, you know that guy that played the, uh, the golf, you know, he's so good at that. He's, good. he's a good golfer. Well, they're actually thinking about using him to do the, um, the church carols, you know? So, well, I know, I know, pretty amazing. Um, so uh, what we're doing is, um, so on the 16th of December, we've got the church carols happening. So it's not the community carols, it's the church one. And we're going to be um, having a solo man and, uh, and all sorts of things. And so what we're looking at is having, um, you know, each church singing a couple of carols. It's going to be amazing. We've got, uh, have you heard of uh, 1188? Yes. Pardon? You have. And they're dance, a dancing troupe? Yes, they're going to do some dancing. And we're going to have um, some different nationalities going to be doing carols. So we're really excited about how this is coming and uh, how it's working together. And we're being a part of the, um, the local churches that are organising it. So if you want to be involved, please see Jenna or um, Lynn or myself and we'll, uh, we'll get you involved. There's so many things that we need to do. But now what we're going to do is... Uh, we're looking at uh, the Gospel of John, and we're looking at that as a biography of Jesus. And I don't know whether you've noticed, but as we go through, we hear eight testimonies of who Jesus is. And so, um, you know, um, John, the writer, said uh, Jesus is the, the Logos. He's the Word become flesh. John the Baptist says uh, he is the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. Andrew says he's the Messiah. Philip says he's the one who um, the Old Testament talks about, how you know the Bible talks about this Messiah that's to come. And then uh, Jesus says of himself, what does he say? He says, I am living water, I give living water. And uh, we saw last time that um, you know, uh, the lady at the well, she said that uh, you know, we're expecting the Messiah to come and he's going to teach us everything. And Jesus said, I, the one who am speaking to you, is he. And so the testimony about Jesus is Jesus is God, but Jesus is more than just God. He is God with us. He is the one who has come down to save us, to rescue us, to bring us into a relationship with God. And so what we need to do is, is listen to him. And so as people listen to him, they discover that you need to be born again. They discover that you need to go from water to wine. There needs to be some sort of conversion process. You need to be made new. You need to be a new person. And so with this lady at the well, he was saying that you need to get rid of the well that is your heart, the earthly part, and you need to receive this living water that's a spring of living water that comes from God himself and flows from within and blows away all the past. That was the wonderful thing we learned last week, wasn't it? That uh, no matter how much mess is in our hearts, no matter what, whatever we've done in the past, no, no matter what we're doing now, no matter how many traumas or whatever it's there, this living water will spring up and blow it all away and will be completely new. That's the message of the gospel. That's where we're up to. That's what uh, Jesus says, is that we need to receive the living water and it comes from him. And so we're going to continue our story. Last week we looked at uh, the first part of the woman at the well and this time we're going to look at the second part and see the difference that it makes. And, and so what I want us to think about is what does it mean to be a harvester, to be a harvester, to be someone spreading the gospel and uh, bringing people to Jesus. And she's going to show us. But before we begin, let's pray. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful word that we have this morning. Lord, we thank you that we can continue looking through John 
and that we can continue to learn more about who Jesus is, what he came to do and what can happen to us. The joy that we receive of becoming new and being transformed. And so, Lord, we pray that you'll just bring up this well of living water within our hearts this morning so that we can hear you and that you can blast away our unbelief, our doubt, our apathy, and that we can receive you more and more and become more alive in you as we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to look at uh, John chapter 4, the verses 27 to 42. And so you can put, you can look it up in your uh, Tithely app. You know, you got the Tithely app. Then you can press the button and get notes and start writing notes on it. You know, just in case you've got your Tithely app. So, okay, I'll just keep going. No one's getting their phone out. All right. Otherwise, you know, the words up on the screen. <laughs> but now, uh, let's read these words. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked. What do you want? Or why are you talking to her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat, that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him some food? My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps, draws a wage, and harvesters, harvests a crop for eternal life, for that, uh, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap, but, when you, but uh, what you have not worked for, others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labour." Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me many things, um, everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more believed and became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. So it's quite remarkable, isn't it? I mean, this, uh, this testimony uh, from a woman. And uh, we're going to look at um, the woman that uh, gave the testimony and how this all worked out. But she became like a, a, a harvester. She became someone who spread the word and then brought the people out. And so let's uh, just uh, get a bit of context. So um, last time we learned that uh, Jesus uh, was at the well and he sent um, all the disciples into the town to get some food. So, you know, if, um, if there was only 13 of them, he sent 12 people into town to get food for 13 people. That doesn't sound like, you know, you wouldn't really, I mean, what do they do? You know, carry one roll and an egg each or something? You know, so he deliberately sent them all into town because he knew this woman was coming. 
It's all planned by God and it's all happening there. And this is how God works in our lives, you know. God brings things together so that he can reveal himself to us. And so um, the woman, you know, she came in the middle of the day and last time we heard, the middle of the day, the hottest time of the day, this is the day no one goes to the well unless you don't want to see anyone else. And so she's the woman that's the outcast. You know, she's, she's um, not welcome anywhere. She can't go with others and enjoy the time. She has to go when no one else is there to draw water. And there was Jesus waiting for her at her lowest time and being such an outcast. And so he's there waiting for her and then he asks her for help. <laughs> Jesus, you know, a rabbi, a man with you know a whole bunch of disciples, he says to a woman, can you please give me a drink? And that is just remarkable. It just blows the mind. We don't really fully understand what that means, but that is, that is so wrong in, on every level according to the culture of the time. But Jesus didn't worry about that, did he? You know, they say that Jesus never disobeyed his heavenly Father, but he continued to demonstrate that um, you know the the um, the plans or the laws of man uh, he's not going to obey. So the law of man was don't talk to women in public, and especially don't talk to Samaritans, and especially don't talk to these particular Samaritans. Don't talk to them. You're not allowed to talk to them in public. They weren't allowed to talk to women in public, even their own family. And so Jesus just speaks to all and that just made her um, you know really uh, really amazed her she asked the question how can you you know a Jewish rabbi talk to me and Jesus didn't even answer it he didn't say I oh, don't worry about all those rules don't do that he just spoke about who he was and so um, it's it's beautiful isn't it because he said um, that uh, if you know who I am then you would ask me for living water anyway so um, they got through to the part where um, they uh, living, and uh, you know, I want to receive this living water. And then she said, um, "Well, if Jesus really knew who I really was, he wouldn't be talking to me like this, because it's a good thing that he doesn't know my whole past. You know, he doesn't know everything about me. I'm so glad he doesn't know; otherwise, he wouldn't be talking to me." And then she, uh, Jesus says to him, "Go and get your husband and come back, and we'll talk some more." And she went, "Oh no!" Um, and then she said, "Well, you know." Um, I don't have a husband. And then Jesus says, you know, you had five husbands and the one you're living with now is not your husband. Uh, I know that very well. And so I, I want you to get the concept of that. So she knows that this is a Jewish rabbi who should not be talking to her. She is off uh, He is offering her living water and He's offering her living water even though he knows how bad she is, how bad her past is, and how she didn't really, you know, she shouldn't have been talked to by him at all. And so she was completely blown away. Can you imagine Jesus waiting there, speaking to you, even knowing all about you? And so this blew her away. And so what did she do? She wanted to change the subject. And so she changed the subject and said, oh, you know, you Jews... You know, you reckon we should worship in the temple? We say we're worshipping here on the mountain. What do you say? You know, and, and it's amazing, isn't it? Because she's saying, how do you get close to God to worship God? How do, how do you get close to him? And then it says, Jesus says himself, a time is coming when people will not worship either in Jerusalem or on this mountain. A time is coming when we will worship in spirit and in truth. And what Jesus is saying is, 
I am God. If you want to get close to God, you get close to me. Isn't that incredible? So it's, you know, it's where she is, is where God is present. She didn't have to go to the mountain. She didn't have to go to the temple. God was in her presence and he was loving her and offering her living water. And so somehow she understood this, didn't she? She sort of got that. She understood that this man knows everything about me and yet he's offering this living water. And so what does she do? It says that she left her water jar behind and ran into town. Now that's a beautiful picture, isn't it? She left her water jar behind. Would you do that? Who would do that? A water jar. That's, that's her life. The water jar is so significant for her at that time. And so it says she left her life behind and took off into town. Isn't that incredible? You don't, you don't take, you know, you leave your water jar. It's like, I don't know, it's like a soldier. You've always got your gun with you. You know, you don't, you don't just leave it somewhere and walk away because it's so important to you. But she couldn't care less about her life or about her need or about her thirst or about her work. She left everything behind and she went straight into the town. She wanted to tell everyone. And what did she want to say? She had a testimony. She said, come and meet a man who knows everything about me. Could he be the Messiah? You know? And so that was her message. So think about her message. So this is all about us. So we need to learn this ourselves. So Jesus is demonstrating that and teaching us how we can share the gospel. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of Pakenham. You will be my witnesses. And so how do you be a witness? Well, here we are a witnesser, somebody who's planting the seed. So you see what she does. She, she comes racing into the town, and who does she go to? She goes to everyone. Now you think about that for a minute. She goes into the town and she doesn't care who she talks to. She wants to tell everyone. Can you imagine? She's going to see a couple of ex-husbands, you know, a couple of um, wives that probably aren't happy with her. You know, she's probably going to see, um, you know, some people that um, say, stay away from my husband. <laughs> you know, I don't want you, you know, taking my husband away. And she just doesn't care about any of that. She doesn't care about shame. She doesn't care about guilt. She doesn't care about anything. She runs in and she says, come and meet a man that knows everything about me. He knows everything about me. Can you imagine? People would go, well, I wouldn't want to know anything about her. I mean, she's... She's pretty bad. She's got a, I mean, wow, I mean, whew, you know. But she says, come and meet a man. She's unashamed. She's open. You know, she's, she's transparent. She wants them all to know. She doesn't care about herself or about her past or her reputation. She doesn't care about her status. She doesn't care about anything. She just come and meet a man because you need to meet this man because he's probably the Messiah. Is that what you do? Is that how you share? I've been looking at my sharing and I'm thinking, actually, it's, it's not really, it's not the way you share. But it should be the way you share, shouldn't it? It should be the way we do this. We could say we're sinful people. We don't deserve anything from God. And yet God came to us, offered us living water, transformed us, made us new. And now we want you to meet this man. We want you to meet this God man who brings salvation to all. And so that's what we need. Do you do this? And so what we're saying is that um, when you receive Jesus into your life, you become new. See? 
You become new. This living water flows within you and you're born again. And so you're different, you know. And so when you worship, when you're born again, you worship in spirit and in truth. And so you worship in the presence of God, in God, in Christ. You're worshipping God inside. So can you imagine the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit worshipping each other? Because that's how they go, isn't it? They're always worshipping each other. The Son is worshipping the Father, the Father is worshipping the Son. Now they're all you know, referring, deferring to each other. That's how it works within the Godhead. And so when you worship God in spirit, you get into the presence of God and you're worshipping him in that way. Can you imagine that? How spiritual is that? Worshipping Father, Son and Holy Spirit. You're glorifying God, you're thanking Jesus and you're being, um, having the power of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's true worship. Is that how you worshipped a minute ago? We need to grow in this, don't we? We need to be filled with the Spirit so that we'll worship in spirit, but also in truth. And truth, you know, isn't um, always a good thing. Truth can show that we're not right or we're wrong. And yet when we worship God in truth, we know the truth is that the truth sets us free. We're sinners in need of a saviour. And Jesus came to give us and make us new. And, and so that's how we are. See, we worship in spirit and in truth. And that's how we worship in the presence of God. And so that's who we are. And so this woman, she became transparent. She revealed who she was and she revealed what she's learned. Okay. Now, this is what we need to understand is when you have a relationship with someone, do they get to know who you are? Do you share your faith in Jesus? Because when you think about it, We've been completely made new. Our life now comes from God and we're in Christ forever. And so when we get to know people, they should discover that. They should see that. They shouldn't see you as an ordinary person. They should see you as an ordinary person that's been changed and somehow is filled with joy and grace and peace. Somebody is filled with this, I want you to know what I have. I don't want to convince you about something else. I don't want to convince you about this pattern of behaviour and I don't want to teach you how to be a, a, a new religious person. I don't want to teach you anything. I just want to show you. All you have to do is go and meet a man. <laughs> don't you love that? I think we've made it quite confusing and quite difficult. You know, when, when we just say to people, it's not about religion, it's about a relationship with Jesus. And that's what I, that's what I say as much as I can. It's not about religion because, you know, religion is bad. I mean, religion is man-made. Religion becomes just an end in itself. And yet when you have a relationship with Jesus, then you discover true life and you become religious. <laughs> you know, you, can, you, you live that out. And so this is what we're saying here is that, you know, when you um, discover who Jesus is and when you are transformed by him yourself, then what you do is share what you have and it make it simple. Make it simple. How many times have I heard about people who say, oh, no, I don't want to share my faith because they might ask me a question I don't know the answer to. Have you ever said that in your own heart? Put up your hand. No, don't put up your hand. Isn't it? How many times do you do that? I mean, I've done that, you know, before I went to college, you know. But, you know, you do that. You say, oh, I'm so scared. They'll say, oh, oh, what about the Old Testament? 
<laughs> you know, and, and all the terrible things that God says in the Old Testament. What about all those terrible things? And you go, oh, I won't know the answer, so I'm not going to share it. Oh, I don't know. And then, oh, you say, what about the world? Look at all the terrible things happening in the world. Look at the Hamas and, you know, in, in Ukraine and all those terrible things. Where's God? It's terrible. It's terrible. We go, oh, we don't know the answer to those questions, so that makes it really hard. And what about um, you know, marriage and what about all these things? We don't know the answer. We don't know the answer. And then see how hard we make it for ourselves? What you do is you say, come and meet a man and he will help you, <laughs> isn't it? You, you come and meet Jesus, you discover someone who's completely changed your whole life, you are made new, you are right forever and then you will live however he calls you to live because you know that the God of the universe loves you that much. <laughs> you, you won't make it complicated, you won't make it difficult. She goes into town and she says, come and meet a man, I think he might be the Messiah. And they go, what? What? We better, we better check this out. You see how that works? You don't, you don't ask all the hard questions, you don't do all those things. You know, what you do is you say, you just need to meet him. And when you're in his presence, everything will be made new. And all those questions, all those worries that you have, just, well, they're not important. They just melt away. Have you experienced that yourself? See, very important. Very important. You, you need to experience that yourself. Like all those worries, all those problems, all those things, just, well, they're gone. You, you, you look around, where are all my worries? Where are all my problems? Where's all my past? What am I concerned about? Well, I can't find it. I think it's, it's just Jesus because he says, you're new. <laughs> and so that's what she did. She was open. She was honest. She didn't care about what people thought of her. She just shared what had happened to her. And I think... She was pretty bold, don't you? She had to be bold. She had to say, oh, you know, this, this mightn't go well with some. <laughs> I might get a, a bit of abuse. I might get this. But she went in anyway, see? Because she didn't care. Because her heart had been changed. The living water, I believe, was flowing through already and she was receiving the strength of God and having spirit and truth working already in, in a very small way. Very simple and very bold. That's what a harvester is. And, and that's what I need to challenge us all in every day because PC3 is a church plant and what we need to do is we need to find people who don't know Jesus. Befriend people who don't know Jesus. Spend time with people who don't know Jesus and say, well, I want you to meet a man. This should be what we're thinking about every day, shouldn't it? Because everybody needs Jesus. Jesus is the answer to everyone's problem and everyone's question. And so we need to go. Anyway, and th so that's what um, this woman did. She became a harvester. Now, have a look what happens to the disciples. In the meantime, the disciples, they said, um, uh, you know, Rabbi, eat something. Because, you know, when they left him, he was thirsty and tired and hungry. You know, so he came, <laughs> they came back from carrying all the food, you know. 13 people, no, 12 people carrying food for 13. And, uh, you know, and then they said, come on, Jesus, eat something. And then he says this thing that confuses everybody. He says, um, so I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And then somebody said, was there a food truck? <laughs> did he get some food from somewhere? What? How did he get food? And he said, no. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. My food is to do the work that he sent me to do and to finish the work. Isn't that, that's what it's all about, isn't it? 
My food is to do the will of God. Doing the will of God is more important than the tummy, than eating, than our food and what we eat. You know, we can get so carried away about the things we're eating and yet Jesus said, my food. So he was hungry, right? He would have eaten something later, but at the time he was reaping a harvest, you see. A woman was going into town saying, come and meet a man. And so can you imagine the adrenaline rush? There's a woman who gets it. Like he talks to his disciples and they go, (laughs) and she's going, wow, let's go. Don't you think that's a little bit ironic? No. You know, they've been with Jesus for all this time and they're going, I don't, I, I don't get it. And she goes, come and meet a man. <laughs> he's, he's changed me. He's, you know, how many times has Jesus said to the disciples, I can give you living water? How many times do you think? Do you think he said it at all? Or did he just save it for one woman in Samaria? No. He would have said, I am the Messiah. I am the great teacher. I am the one to bring life. I am the living water. I can renew you. I can cleanse you. I can change you. And the disciples go, yeah. What? <laughs> you know, can you, can, and the woman goes, oh, <laughs> I'm new. You know, I'm, I'm going to go and tell everyone. And, and, you know, the disciples are going, wow, you know, what's wrong with her? <laughs> you see, the irony, the difficulty, the, the disciples that are with Jesus watching him do all the miracles and all the teaching and everyone's so impressed and, and they, and they get to Samaria and this woman shows them all up by how she responds. Come and meet a man that knows everything about me. I think he's the Messiah. And all the disciples just hear it and they don't change hardly at all, it appears. They're they're talking about food. Now, do you think that the Samaritan woman was worrying about food or even water when she was running into town? She was just filled of joy, you know. The, the joy just took over. She didn't feel the, the hungry tummy or the thirsty, uh, being thirsty. She just ran into town and told everyone. And so Jesus wanted his disciples to see that. Do you, do you see what's going on? Don't just talk about practical things like food and, and just see what's happening. If you came and saw, you know, they, they didn't want to say, hey, uh, you know, Jesus, you know, you're not allowed to talk to a woman. <laughs> Nobody dared ask or they'd all leave. You know, there must be something going on here. You know, there must be some lesson that we probably have to learn. And uh, so that's what happened. You know, they saw the woman run into town. They saw the entire town coming out and they said, Jesus, uh, you should eat something. (laughs) They didn't say, wow, (laughs) the whole town's coming out. Look at them, they're all coming. And then Jesus says, lift up your eyes. Can you see the harvest field? And so they look up and they see the whole town coming out to Jesus. And they... Did they get it? It doesn't seem that they did. Jesus had to tell them a story. You know, they say four months until the harvest, but I'm telling you the harvest is plentiful now. Don't wait four months. Don't wait for some program to be completed or started. Just get onto it now. Start now. Go now. Because even now it says the, you know, the sowers have been out there and the reapers are ready. And these people were coming to Jesus to discover and to find out who he was and to possibly receive living water. <laughs> and uh, and they needed to learn that and so do we, don't we? We can get so carried away, we can get so focused on, on things that we don't see a harvest. Jesus says the harvest is ripe 
I mean, is ready, is ripe. It's, it's, um, it's ready to go. And so we need to be seeing it. The disciples didn't see it. Do you see it? We can think that people don't really care or people don't, aren't really interested. But do you know, they're desperate for this message. They're desperate to meet this man. They don't know how desperate they are to meet this man. We know how desperate they are to meet this man. And so we need to get out there and show them this man who is the Messiah, who will bring life, who will bring that living water that will bring transformation. And so don't be like the disciples and worry about food, but hear the message and then receive it. Anyway, I better keep going. So it says then, um, many Samaritans from the uh, town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. I think so, oh, so amazing. So she just came in, you know, full of God and said, well, come and meet a man that knows everything about me. Jesus didn't just say, yeah, I know you have five husbands and the one you're living with is not your husband. He must have said a lot more, hey? He must have said, I know you. You know, I, I, I've seen you. I know what you've lived through. I know what you've gone through. I know how you're feeling. I know what your fears are. I know what your worries are, but don't worry because I'm God and I'm here. I'm the Messiah and I can give you living water. Can you imagine that sort of conversation? That's what we need to see, you see. That's, what, that's what's happening. And so they said, wow, you know, they believed her message because of the one who brought it and how she brought it. And then it goes on to say, when they finally met Jesus, they said, well, now we don't just believe because of what you said, we believe because we've met him. Oh. Oh, that's 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 what I want to. That's why I'm on the planet. That's why I'm alive today. I'm alive today so that we can hear people say, "I don't just believe what you just said. I've met him myself. I've heard him myself, and he's my Lord, and he's my Savior." In fact, it says he is the Savior of the world, and that's so. So you know, you know what Jesus said then, don't you? Because you know, it doesn't say you don't get Jesus' sermon or anything in there. But, uh, you know, the Samaritans thought that Jesus was simply a, um, a teacher. The Tahib was coming and he was going to be a teacher. And that's all they believed. But the, uh, the Jews believed in the Messiah. And here they didn't say Messiah, they didn't say great teacher, they said saviour of the world. <sighs> I mean, we don't get that, but, you know, you know salvation comes from the Jews. And nobody likes the Samaritans. And then they say, he's the saviour of the entire world, everywhere. The ends of the earth, he's the saviour of the world. They knew who he was and they declared and testified themselves who he was. And so that's the power of meeting Jesus, you see. And, and the same Jesus they met that day is the same Jesus we meet today, except he's died upon a cross, he's risen again. And so we meet, I don't know, the next level Jesus, the risen Jesus. He is so real and so true that we can worship him and listen to him now. We can go into his presence now and we can receive the life that he's giving us now. We can hear his voice now. We can listen to him now. We can apply his truth to our lives now. We can receive more spirit and more truth. We can receive more deliverance. We can receive more help, more power, more glory if we just get into his presence. He's here. He's here. Do you listen to him? Do you go to him? 
Do you say, Lord, you know all about me and yet you still love me? And then do you go out and do it? See, don't be like this. I heard this great little story the other day and it said, uh, you know, it's a preacher's story, so it might not be true. But anyway, it's, it's a good one. But so this little girl, she was having a, a birthday party and her grandmother gave her a gift and it was a pin cushion. Do you know what a pin cushion is, everyone? Pin cushion, you know. So, and uh, how did she feel about getting a pin cushion? You know, you know, she wasn't really excited. Perhaps a, you know, a, a you know, a drone or something might have been better. <laughs> anyway, but then uh, so, but her mother said, "Look, you've got to write a thank you to your grandmother, you know, because she gave you this gift." And so she wrote this thank you, and she said, um, "Dear grandmother, thank you so much for the pin cushion. I've always wanted a pin cushion." but not very much. <laughs> I love that. So, anyway, the sad thing about it is we tend to do that with God, don't we? Thank you for sending us Jesus. Thank you for the new life that we have. We've always wanted that, but not very much. And that's a tragedy, isn't it? Because that's in all of us. I don't know about you, but it's in all of us. We all have this, uh, this pull from the flesh and from the world when we need to go to Jesus and say we need Jesus in our lives. And so we get close to God because God is in us. And so we need to receive. And so we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper together. And so let's do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come into your presence. We thank you, Lord, that you are prepared and waiting for us. Oh, that, Lord, in the midst of our sin and shame and guilt, in the midst of our, um, our pain, Lord, you are there waiting for us to come to you. Lord, we thank you that you wait for us, that you receive us, and that you offer us eternal life. We thank you, Lord, that you offer to transform and change us and make us completely new, filled with you and filled with joy. Lord, we just want to say we're sorry for not uh, believing that enough. We're sorry for not receiving that enough. We're sorry for not making you the centre of our lives and to receive all our life from you. Lord, in this comfortable world, we get so distracted. We get so busy. There's so many things that we can be doing apart from you. Lord, we don't come to Jesus. We don't come to the Word. We don't come in prayer. Lord, we're so easily distracted and busy that we don't even get time. And so, Lord, we pray that you will forgive us, but that you will help us now as we celebrate the Lord's Supper that we may come to you and receive you, that we may say that you know everything about us, that you came for us and that you're giving us new life. And so, Lord, as we celebrate this together, please make it a powerful move within our hearts so that we may receive more of you as we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.